That's right. You're listening to Leave the Bottle Podcast. This is going to be number 25. You can catch us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and leavethebottlepodcast.com. My name is Randy. My partner's name is... Jim. Partner in crime, that is. And our guest is... Andy. Hello. Okay. This is amazing that we can do this, by the way, because of the time differences between Jim and myself. So he's up very early in the morning. I've already been out and walked something like four miles. uh, And I'm back and was doing some cooking and almost forgot to get everything ready to do this. Now you're are you're back to six hours ahead of me, right? Right. I'm on, I'm on the U.S. East Coast. You're in Central European the, the day- wilds of France. Yeah, Central European daylight time. I'm and still dis- I'm still disappointed. I have to say that we didn't do a live from Budokan show. I was I was all excited about wow, that's the perfect title for a show from Japan live at Budokan. I mean, I know mm. we're not cheap we're not cheap trick and all that stuff, but it would have been fun. I, yeah, well, it's, it would have been tough because it's so late, about 12 hours, 12, 13 hours difference from you. So it's like the opposite of the day. Right. Maybe at 9 a.m. there and 9 p.m. That wouldn't have worked. Anyway, yeah, I just flew in from Japan and boy, are my arms tired. Cue laugh track. Um, Jim, you were, where are you with your story of Kickstarter? We want to hear about that. From the beginning, of course. Okay, well... You know, you and I, we've talked before about Kiva. We, you know, we're big Kiva fans. And I'm, you know, in general, I like the idea of, you know, crowdsourcing. You know, I, I like it. Um, I've, you know, looked at Kickstarters for quite some time. And uh, I saw one back in February. It's a company. And I really don't feel like going into the name of the company. Doesn't matter. Uh, but they're a big company. Let's put it this way. Their product is sold in Best Buy, Home Depot, Walmart, etc. And they're the main thing that they're known for, they're number one seller on Amazon. So it's like, uh, I felt confident. It started at $79 and up uh, for this product that was going to be attaching to their product. And uh, I, you know, I watched their videos and things like that. And I felt comfortable because this isn't like donating $5 or $10 or $15 to two guys in a garage in a dream, which is great. I mean, and that's typically like that's more Kiva style or more Heifer International style of crowdsourcing for, you know, very, very small groups of people or even just individuals. Although actually, sorry to interrupt, you're actually you're comparing apples to oranges because Kiva, as you well know, is not even a charity. It's just a group loaning thing. So you're crowdsourcing right. F- right. funds that go to a bank who makes money and interest. Well, but wait a minute. Wait. The point okay. is um, Kickstarter is not at all like that, and it's certainly not like Heifer. In other words, it's not there to help people. I'm sorry. It's a commercial thing. Absolutely. Uh, or, or in some cases, it's actually begging. But, I mean, this isn't the case here. So I wanted to make that point because uh, you shouldn't compare it to Kiva. It's, it's, and and not Hef- certainly no, not Heifer. Well, I didn't mean it in, in, I suppose I should have been a little bit more clear about that because it really is more Kickstarter is more of, okay, I have an indie film project. Exactly. I have a, I have a record that my band wants to produce. and Indiegogo and, as well. Same, same thing, right? Absolutely. So, you know, but I still $79 and up. It was like $79 up to $149 and you got. For seventy nine dollar limit, you got uh, the product when it came out ahead of time before it came out in the stores, and they kept adding uh, things on. Like I, I did the seventy nine dollars in February, and they were talking about a June release. Great, fine. Also, this is not vaporware like half the projects on Kickstarter. In other words, th- there was right. a very, very good chance that something would happen with this because it's an established like I company. Said, it, yeah. This is a big. They're 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 the number one company on Amazon. In their product, so you know, I was waiting. I was fine waiting till June. And it was okay, fine. And they shipped the first uh, about two weeks ago. They shipped the first product out to some of us early investors, and you know, I was excited, and that's fine. And be, even before I got mine, they were running into problems. People were were getting this product, and were not. It wasn't working as intended, and. I held off judgment till I got mine. Well, I got mine and it worked, but it didn't work fully. 
uh, it was doing a, probably about half of what it should have done. And I was running into a lot of the same issues that other people were running into. You know, things happen. And uh, over the course of days, it would be cascaded to the point where the company stopped shipping to the, uh, to the people in the Kickstarter because they knew they had a real issue on their hands. And to their credit, they were very upfront and open about that. They did say, you know, that we are, we, we don't want to ship anymore until we get to what's going on here. Look at the software and all that. Very commendable. I, you know, it, it was the right thing to do. Also, you don't keep shipping knowing that there's a problem. So that was fine. Um, I was on the fence as far as any kind of a refund thing. And let, let me make clear. I know that Kickstarter themselves do not do refunds, but they do in their terms state that they leave it up to the individual companies or individuals, whoever is in charge of that particular project. That's completely up to them whether they want to or not. So, you know, it's fine. And um, also, so, again, excuse me, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of those things where if they don't get the amount that they expected, it doesn't go forward. It, you, it, you aren't charged, right? Correct. So my, they, card, my, my card wasn't charged. Actually, it was on Amazon. They did it through Amazon okay. payments. It was not charged until March or April when they met their goal. When they met the bid. Okay. And, the, funny, and the interesting thing is, is not, they not only met their goal, they went so far above it that they kept adding things on and more and more perks and more and more bells and whistles, which at the time was a wonderful thing. But in retrospect, perhaps they shouldn't have been doing that. Perhaps they should have been focusing in on the original intent of the product, waited until later on for more bells and whistles. They already had their money. They already had those of us who were investing it's fine and well if you're going to give me, you know, five more or seven more perks, which is what they did because they kept going above and above and above. But get the original product right first. That's the thing I cared. That's the thing I paid the $79 for was for you to get the product right. So yeah, I was on the fence and I was in some forums for this company. And there were some people who were talking about the whole refund thing. And some people were saying yes. You should be able to. Some other people were saying, no, you shouldn't be able to. You knew what you were getting into with it being a Kickstarter project. And uh, I wrote to the company and got uh, a pretty curt from the person uh, in charge, a pretty curt response about how Kickstarters are generally non-refundable. You know, however, in this case, we might be doing uh, refunds on a case-by-case basis but that you're responsible for the return shipping costs and so forth. And I was very put off by the, the general tone of it. Again, this is not a five or $10, you know, supporting Joe and Frank in their garage endeavor. This right. is a large company. So I posted and you probably saw it. I posted on, you did see it on yeah. Google plus I asked people, okay, is it ethically okay to expect a refund from a Kickstarter project if it doesn't go, if it doesn't work right, if, or if there are flaws in it, not saying that it doesn't work right, but if there are flaws and some people were like, well, you know what? It's Kickstarter. You, you know, you should know going in that it's not, you know, that there's no refunds, which is actually not correct. But, um, and th- that you should just be and other people were like, well, you shouldn't want a refund because you're encouraging entrepreneurs when you do Kickstarter projects. And I'm thinking to myself, that's bullshit. These are not entrepreneurs. This is an established company, a large company as I don't know how many employees. Two questions. Yes. First, um, is this something that's repairable by replacement or by some firmware update? That's what they're talking. They're right now. They're actually talking about uh, shifting out. Uh, they said they already had a software update that was going to be in the pipeline anyway, sometime in the next couple of days. And it's something that you can apply, right, without right, sending it back. And, right, right. And that this is what they're they're hoping that some of this updates, these updates, will uh, correct some of the issues that are going on, anyways. Okay. And question number two: What was your motivation in doing it this way? Because and to explain why I'm asking, uh, since this is an established company and not a couple of guys in a garage, it's obvious that once they got the thing perfected, 
it would be it would be perfected, and then you could you could buy it on the shelf at Best Buy or get it online. In other words, there's a parallel here with something like Google Glass. If Google Glass ever does get out there at two hundred and twenty dollars, and it'll probably be better than the fifteen hundred dollar model. Right. And um, the people who I think should all be locked up in padded cells who are paying fifteen hundred bucks for this device. <laughs> I mean, their, their motivation their motivation is this just this. Almost the thing that we're going to be talking about in a little while about the maturity factor. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a certain number of professionals looking for. Anyway, your motivation was I want to get this thing earlier well, than everybody else, or what? Well, well, yeah, that because I'm a techno geek and I I love all all sorts of toys. Again, that's going to go to what we're going to talk about later on. Yep, it is. You know, boys and toys. Uh, so I looked at it as that it was it was going to be an add on to some of my technical things. Early, you know, early being an early adopter, you know, is is always fun. But also, it's like okay, getting it cheaper now than later in the stores because there are there. What they told us is that it's going to retail for one hundred and forty nine dollars. So if I'm getting it for seventy nine, okay, I'm getting it for almost half price. That makes sense. So you know, so I was very put off by that email. The general spirit of it was so lacking in customer friendliness mm -hmm. especially considering they know they have they have such an issue that they had to stop uh shipping so i just i kind of found it very off-putting and as somebody and uh and when i questioned on google plus about it accurately stated mm -hmm. the people some of these companies now are starting to do kickstarters because then they don't have to really spend as much money on their R&D and marketing areas because they're essentially using us. We're paying for their R&D, which is exactly what Google did with Google Glass. You know, with that $1,500, we know for all these schmucks who are buying it, uh, <laughs> they're hell. I'm sorry, but, you know. Don't worry, Andy doesn't have one. Okay, well, I was hoping I didn't Although we that. both know someone who does. Uh, all I, more. He uh, he managed to sell it, and he got the original price for oh, it. Oh, I'm not well. surprised. That's good. Are you kidding? Really? Well, he, because he's in yeah. the UK, and they just came to the UK now. But he probably did that before uh, it came. He did indeed. Yeah. Uh, before we hey, also, so, uh, so Andy. Just, I just wanted to. Ra I just wanted to wrap that part up quick. Okay. I, I sent her the, this the woman at the company. I sent her an email, and I stated you know that I thought that it was you know pretty cruddy the way she wrote it and that she's essentially blaming me for being concerned about paying a good amount of money for something mm -hmm. that's not working as intended. And that I don't really feel that also if she's you know, going to do the refund um, that I shouldn't really have to pay for the shipping cost back. I mean, that's just not standard at this point. If, you know, if your product doesn't work right, why should I have to pay for the shipping if your product doesn't work? And she wrote that, uh, that for this company, no matter what, if you go to their website and buy their products, because they have a product line, mm -hmm. if you buy their products, no matter what, you are liable for return shipping if it doesn't work right. So I'm thinking to myself, well, why the hell would I ever buy anything from your website again in the future, which I have in the past. I've bought two of their products in the past, but now I'll always make sure that I buy it on Amazon or that I buy it at Best Buy or Walmart, whatever. So this way I know that if it doesn't work right, I can return it. You're taking away – it's a foolish business model because you're taking away any incentive for the consumer to go to your website and buy the product directly from you. If you're telling me if it doesn't work right, you're going to still whack me for the return shipping. So It's a larger topic actually, this return shipping thing. Uh, right. that, I'll, let you, actually, I'll let you finish and then I'll yeah, put I'm my little add, addendum. I, I that actually was probably the thing. The one thing that irked me the most was the return shipping because I, I do almost all my shopping at this point, like on Amazon and online, different places. I do very little brick and mortar and sometimes things don't work out. And I've always had a pleasant experience, whether it's Amazon, Zappos or whatever. Boom. They don't even question and they pay for the return shipping. That That's just to me in 2014, that's standard procedure it's yeah but it's only standard procedure for people like amazon and zappos if yeah, you well, if you buy company. something on the amazon marketplace which i did recently uh if you don't like it for any reason they may take it back you know it depends on the merchant but you're paying the shipping back and i, and I do are, understand that by the way not. these are smaller companies but in your case uh the goodwill thing would have made more sense anyway what so, so what's what's the end of it what's so the rest of the story? at the end of the day 
she apologized. She wrote and she apologized. She said that, you know, looking at her email, the tone of it was not right. And she could understand why I was not, you know, less than pleased with the tone of her email to begin with. She was very apologetic, wants to work with me, wants to do whatever it takes. And I was like, okay, you know what? That, that's fine. You know, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be understanding that way, it shouldn't have taken me having to, you know, show her the error of her ways. But, you know, hey, she's a human. I'm yeah. a human. We all make mistakes. So we'll see what happens with it. I told her I said, I'm still on the fence as far as whether I'm going to return it or not. I'll see how this software update comes over the next couple of days. But it's, but sadly, <laughs> though, for me, it's like, it's really soured me on Kickstarter. And I know there's already a lot of people who hate it and not, I kind of think I understand now why so many people are dismissive of it. Um, I'm I like that way. I'm, I'm like that way about eBay. I had a, a bad experience on eBay and yep. I just can't stand it anymore. Me too. So I think I'll be sticking with Kiva and Heifer International in the future. Well, and again, those are actually efforts not for yourself, but for helping other people. So, right. Um, I before I, I was just going to mention one quick thing, but uh, related to that, but I uh, wanted to ask Andy uh, if you've ever used. Have you ever used any of these crowd crowdfunding sites for to get anything? I, I haven't personally. Um, I, I know several people who have, and frankly, some of the things that they they've got off them um, are very very interesting. But at the same time, I'm. I'm not convinced by the, the, the various pictures you see on there that, that the people actually know what they're doing. A lot of times, yeah. And as such, I don't know. I just think no, somebody else can take that risk. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wait and see how it goes. So I haven't yet done it myself, but as I said, I, I, I do know people who have, and they've been quite happy doing it too. It, it is a risk assessment thing. And uh, in my case... I've used, I don't even know if it was Kickstarter. It was, I think it was Indiegogo, and I don't know the difference between these sites. There's about three or four of them. In fact, one of them is you know, invested in by Donald Trump, and whichever one that is, I don't want to have anything to do with it. But, um, Me neither. <laughs> there's, a, there's three or four sites that do this same kind of thing, and maybe they're special. Anyway, uh, the one time I did something like this was to produce a film about Wayne Shorter. I put $100 into it. Uh, but the you know the perk for that particular bid level was a T-shirt, which I received, and you know, fine, big deal. It, it wasn't worth a hundred dollars, but I was basically giving them a hundred bucks to help with the production of the film. It's a biography, and it takes five years. And by the way, it's still not out, but I'm not complaining. I mean, I, I know they're doing what they can. And, and so on. Um, just one last comment on your experience with this woman, James, which is that I had a problem. I may have even said it on the podcast, but I'm just going to resume the one part about writing to somebody. I wrote to somebody. Uh, it's a school I was paying for for lessons. And the woman wrote back and said, well, if you would have written to the right email, blah, blah, blah. And I, I wrote her back. She, was, she had kind of a tood. And, and then she wrote back and said, and I said, well, I did write it to the right email. And I showed her all the different emails. And she said, well, we had a problem where, you know, for 10 days there was nobody covering such and such an address. And, you know, this is one of those where the, the business is telling the customer stuff that the customer really doesn't need to know when they just could have said, it's my fault. I'm sorry. This will never happen again. It was, this was on my watch. And why not just, you know, do the mea culpa and move on. And then, you know, you do whatever your company allows you to do. Anyway, so went back and forth and every single time. So she wrote me back and finally, after about three back and forths, she said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you three months free, which is, which is more than a compensation for my little complaint. And I was very grateful. But even in that letter, she's going, this never would have happened if blah, 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 and, and uh, defensive stuff. Like, you know, I've been here since the company's been open for three and a half years, and this has never happened. You know what? If I go shoot somebody on the street and the police come up, and I go, God, you know, I've been alive for over 60 years, and this has never happened. I'm sorry. I don't, you know, <laughs> this is just, this is a one-time, you know what I mean? It's like... <sighs> People who are in public relations or whatever you call it, support, you have absolutely have to. You don't have to say, "Oh, I'm." You don't have to say, "Oh, I'm guilty." Blah blah blah. Here's a call. I'm going to have to not take right now. I'll call him <laughs> back. Uh, you don't have to say I'm guilty, even. But you, what you do have to do is whatever it takes. And that's a, that's a well-known expression. Whatever it takes to make it right for the customer. Although the customer is not always right. No, no, not at I'm all. Sorry. I, 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 after all the years I spent in customer service, I got to tell you what, 
the customer is not always right. And I've always, I cringe when I hear people say that because it, there, there's no nuance involved in that. Then it's an absolute. Right. And just like every other area of life, there are no absolutes. No, you can't. There, you are, can't always, there are always grays. And I don't expect people to fall on their sword um, just for the sake of falling on their sword. I do expect just in like in my private life, I expect accountability. You know, if you if you mess up, if you screw up, own it, you know, fully without yabots. I used to have a grade school teacher who yabot, yabot, because he hated when students yabot. So his thing was yabot. And and I agree with him Mm -hmm. um, because it, it makes everything meaningless after but everything else becomes meaningless. It's just noise and, and bullshit after that. Uh, so I, I didn't expect that woman, you know, to you know go on and on and on with you know, mea copas and all that stuff, but just a simple acknowledgement, which she did, you know? And so what am I supposed to do with it after that? You know, she did the proper thing. She didn't make excuses. Yeah. And, I, but I, I think nowadays in customer service, especially online, it's really important to be that way with your customers because there's just too many other avenues now that you where you can go to get to buy purchases and this isn't the days when you know when you were a kid and when i was a kid when there was only x amount of stores when you might have had maybe a kmart or maybe an iga or you know some local you know or the local department store and that was pretty much it because you didn't drive 20 miles or 40 miles to go shopping i mean i didn't when i was a kid in the 60s and 70s, we didn't go all over the place shopping. You went in your local town. And, and I think that I th- and those merchants had accountability because they knew the people. They went to church with the people or they, you know, they saw them in the restaurants or, you know, at schools with their kids. And so there was an accountability. It had and to be reasonable. Lo- yeah. And, we, and we've lost that now with the big chains and, and the and online presence and things like that. So I think that there are times then that like your experience, it's easier for that to happen now because you're never going to run into that person. You're never going to see her. She's never going to see you. So there's less she, for her, there's less reason to, to, to be reasonable in the first place. And, and I think that that's a problem now that we kind of need to you know address and get back to. I don't know how we do it or if we even can. Well, I, I think Andy's got the right approach and I'm, that's mostly my approach, which is watch what happens and wait and um, maybe combine Andy and myself into the attitude that if this is some artistic pie in the sky thing and you know it up front and you don't mind that, like you're trying to help somebody. I mean, there are people from uh, from uh, Google Plus who are selling paintings and stuff on yes. Kickstarter and doing, you know, all kinds of things. And that's fine. And if, um, although I don't think there would be a problem of accountability there, frankly, because there's, you're almost friends in the network. But, but the point is, yeah, I can wait personally. I don't even update, you know, when Android updates come out immediately, I don't run to get the new thing. And if you do and you're a developer, that makes total sense. And if you do and you're an early adopter, that makes total sense too, except that you have no right to cry when it breaks everything. And and you see a lot of people who are not developers and who, who download these things. Uh, and since Google Plus is, has a lot of Android people, they generally don't complain. They go, okay, I did this, this, and this. It's completely screwed up my phone, and I'm going back to the other one. But they don't say it in a negative way. So, you know, once it starts with the recriminations when you've got the alpha version of some software and it broke your phone, you know, that's that's what it is. So, are you guys both? Are you guys both Android guys? I'm a bit of both. Yeah, me uh, too. Primarily because of my job, I have to say. But uh, otherwise, I would almost certainly not have touched Apple products at all. So I would be leaning towards the Android side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then now, have you? Uh, do you have an Android phone? Um, I have a couple. <laughs> oh, oh, you're one of those people. Um, yeah, again, it's it, it's it's all down to part of my job. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I have several different different phones and devices, um, which is uh, it makes life interesting. And comparing the two is is quite hard. And there are, there are things that I really like about Android side, and there are things that I found that I like about the Apple side of things as well. Um, and the walled garden sort of thing in in the the Apple uh, environment has its pluses and minuses. I mean, the, yeah. the, there's an undoubted 
feeling of security with the the uh, the Apple stuff, which isn't there on the Android side. You, you more f feel like you're flying on your own, whereas Apple is trying to hold you in its hands. Um, but that. That's never never been me. So, whilst I can see the attractiveness of it, of it also I, I dislike it. So, I, I can see pluses and minuses both sides. But I would generally lean towards Android. And as you, I don't know if you know, I public I posted an article that I didn't even read. I do that all the time. I post an article that that looks like, and I scan it, you know, and I look at it and go, yeah, that's pro that's probably about what I think. And would post it, and, and it says something about how uh, the walled garden thing. If you think it's bad now, this fall, you know, Google is, is in the mix too. But the, the point being, if you're really into the Google thing, it's a walled garden too. And a Apple is starting to kick a lot of the Google stuff out of their environment, right, out of iOS. Um, I got used to Google Maps and I like what it does. It's not perfect. Uh, Gmail is something that I use on the web all the time. So it works. I like it much better in uh, the Android world, and obviously that's they do it. You know that's what it's for. Uh, and any of the other Google services, which I like, fine. But if I suddenly didn't like those services, uh, then I'd be more or less screwed and have to move on. I think you're less screwed with anything but Apple. And Apple, when you, if you got like a huge music collection, which I do not. Uh, but, I mean, if you had iTunes and 5,000 songs and all of that, you're really kind of screwed. And be, uh, as much as I would always beat up on iTunes, which is a, the worst program in the world ever. It is. It's uh, on the other hand, though, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I think Google Play sucks just as bad. And it's not an app, but just the whole thing. But I, we didn't actually even start out wanting to talk about this. Uh, no, well, I, I will say I'm one of those people who I've switched over from iOS to mm -hmm. uh, Android, and I'm, I'm extremely happy about it. There are a few Apple products I still use, but not very many these days. But I am one of those people who, if I don't get an update instantly, I do go up and get the APK and download it and, and, and play, just like the other day. So you're on L? Not yet. Oh, not yet. You, not so you're not yet. the extremist. I know, I know. I know. But, you know, the, because of my Chromecast, now that they did this, uh, the mirroring the mm -hmm. other day, uh, I had to go right out on my Nexus 4 and my Nexus 7. And because I, they didn't sh they didn't update me right away, I went out and got the APK for it, downloaded it, boom, and it's absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. What a nice experience. You know, since you mentioned that, and by the way, the Chromecast is available in the UK now. I don't know, if Andy, if that has any relevance to you you know there or you have he has one okay but you don't watch television but maybe you want to watch your own stuff or something um i, I do watch some television ah. but i also have uh, um i have there are five of us in the house here my, my three sons all still live with us okay just like the, uh, the youngest being uh, uh 19 now but uh so they use it. And in okay. fact, this is on my desk because I stole it back off one of them earlier. <laughs> Does your TV have a power, uh, a powered HDMI port? I, I ask both of you that question, in fact. Yep. No, I don't have one with a powered HDMI port. Does it have a USB uh, socket? Yes. See, yeah, mine doesn't. So one of the things that I hate about that is having to get out the power supply and find it because it's, you know... If you can picture, I've got the octopus behind the TV because there's a VCR. And all. So, I mean, it's just, it's, there's always one thing has to be unplugged in order to plug in the Chromecast. And ideally, if the Chromecast could just be plugged in all the time. By the way, it heats up, so I wouldn't probably do that. But the point is you plug it in. And if you just had to plug it in, that'd be good. If you just had to plug it in and plug the cable into the USB of the set, that's not too bad. But if you have to plug it in, then find the power cord, which happens to be American, and then go find the adapter and all of that, you understand that I haven't used it much. However, I'm going to go check for the, uh, see if I've got the update and plug it in once again and see what happens. And the Chromecast itself will probably update itself, right? Or will it? That's what they're talking about is that uh, over a few days' time it'll roll out, but I, you know, like my other TV, I have to do exactly the same thing as you have to plug it in and plug it to a power supply. And, uh, well, Roku, there's it's like sex with a rubber, man. That's no good. Yeah, I know. It's like, uh, yeah, you'll do it, but begrudgingly. <laughs> 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 um, the first company that comes out with a completely self-powered stick like that. Yeah. will probably really go much further in the market because, 
Yes, if you you know if you plug your Chromecast into say your uh, surround sound receiver and plug it from there, you know using a HDMI port, mm-hmm. you know that you still have to plug it in somewhere. You still have to uh, pl- power it up somewhere. By the but way, you- by the way, uh, I when I was in Japan, I brought an HDMI cable and I had my laptop. And uh, in the hotel we were in, they had a perfectly good, uh, huge, I think, 40-inch TV set, which had HDMI. So I used that, and we watched our own stuff, because obviously you're in Japan. There's not that much that's not going to be in Japanese. So we had our own stuff for the, for night, and I was really happy to have that cable. Now, a lot of people who think they're geeks, advanced geeks, talking about get on the hotel Wi-Fi network with your Chromecast, believe me, that would take you a day to screw around and do that. And I know people who have, and I know it takes a day. You know, it's not, it's not on. worth it. It's like you know no. what? Just just throw a bunch of throw a bunch of shows onto a. You know, say you can throw it either on your laptop or if you just want to throw it, on, or you want to throw it on your. You know, got your it on the memory, Nexus mem- too. Throw it on your memory stick and then pop it in, whichever. But, but you know, the, I've I've seen that whole hacking the hotel Wi-Fi. No, you can do it. it. It can be done. It's too it, much work. If it, I'm going out with my wife all day, yeah, you're not going to do that. Doing stuff, I'm not going to come back and dick around with that at, at that night. Also, but I know I mentioned all that because I I've heard I think it was on uh, Leo Laporte's thing, somebody mentioned that uh, Google is what they're preparing for the Chromecast is where you it doesn't work that way anymore. In other words, it doesn't need. What am I trying to say here? Um, yeah, it doesn't talk to the device on your Wi-Fi anymore. From what I heard, it will it will then be find a way to talk directly to each of your computers, whether it's Android or whether I don't know exactly what that way is. By the way, that's what they were talking about at uh, the Google uh, I/O uh, right, couple weeks right. ago. That's so what they were mentioning. So it's going to somehow do that. When, once that happens, it becomes a lot more interesting. Because then, well, yeah, because then in a hotel, okay. First of all, the hotel I was in had a modern TV, and I'm pretty sure the HDMI port itself was powered. But even if it wasn't, there's there was a, certainly I didn't check actually, but I'm sure there was a USB on there. So then it becomes not such a big deal, and of course. You know, because you don't have to mess with the the setup of the Wi-Fi. That's the whole thing that makes it complicated. Well, one thing that's going to be nice is with the updates coming up. Say one of you came to my house and you have an Android phone or tablet, you wouldn't even have to sign in to my. Right. You wouldn't have to know my Wi-Fi password or anything like that. You'd just be able to take your phone, boop, and play with. If you wanted and to play me, some show the vacation or movies. Yeah. Exactly. You're gonna bore the shit out of me with your vacation movies. Absolutely. Knock yourself out while I go and have a cry. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Do we better get. Still, do people still do that? By the no, way, no. Hopefully not. Hopefully do people not. Still, do people it's, still? I really think it's more do... porn between guys watching between the game. You know, when the game is commercials. I, 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 I wonder at this point. Back. I don't know about you guys. Did you guys have camcorders? When they were yeah, oh yeah, course. always, always. Never took vacation photos though, ever. Really, you didn't take. You know what? It has a lot more to do with kids and grandkids, and I'm not into yeah. that particular scene. So I realized I have like probably hundreds of hours of video at this point, most of which I have never watched ever. Put it on YouTube and just for the hell and of I have it. Spe- and I spent all that time <laughs> filming like the Grand Canyon and filming Yellowstone. Oh, definitely, you should put that on YouTube. And, and then it sat. Is on it in these, color? On, at on least? smaller. It's on the uh, yeah. It's on those little uh, the VHS slash C uh, tapes. And I thought about it, it's like all that time that I took that I wasn't experiencing. Get that on just with my eyes. I was experiencing through the lens and then never used it. Yeah, but get that really. on. Uh, get that somebody to convert that. Their companies will do this. Yeah, it's, oh yeah. Convert well, it to well, digital and, and upload it to YouTube. Take a you know six weeks and do that. <laughs> Well, I actually did. My father-in-law, um, he had home movies from the 40s when he was a little kid. Uh, he and his sister were little kids, and they uh-huh. were on the 8mm eight, eight for a million years. And before it could deteriorate too much and so forth, I had it all put on uh, converted. Oh, that's very nice. I uh, had it converted. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. So that's something. Um, we only had a two, two, inter- two calls or interruptions in care. the last 10 minutes by one but of I, these. Yeah, so I had it converted for Christmas one year, and then we all sat around watching on on the, the VHS, watching you know his home movies from the 40s. And that was very cute. It was very sweet. But now I was realizing recently I had that done back in like 1997, 98 or something like that. Those tapes are probably going to start are probably deteriorating to an extent. I yeah. need to have those redone now onto DVD. It's interesting. 
that you know you have to progress technologically to preserve. Well, once it's in bits, then uh, I guess the next question is whether the actual physical media degrades. Uh, it, it's going to be less of a problem if you have it like on a thumb drive. But yeah, I mean, after centuries, it'll be gone, maybe after decades. I'm starting to have a lot of problems reading DVDs that I own, commercial DVDs that should have lasted 10, 15 years. Hey, let's, uh, why don't we move on to uh, this topic and get Cindy in here when, when she's ready. She'd probably about uh, probably about five minutes or so because I hear the blender going. Now, oh, okay, so she which means it. that she's probably about five minutes out from explaining why we, well, we're boys and and she's my mother. I would ask each of you uh, to. This is a discussion from a discussion I had at lunch a couple of days ago. And um, it came out, somebody said, well, you know how it is with men, like, we're all, we, we feel like we're 18 all the time. And I always say that myself, and I agree that you're, especially when you're walking down the street alone in, like, you know, Miami Beach or something like that. But for whatever reason, not just for looking at the opposite sex and things like that, where you really are, need to be disillusioned, <laughs> You know, at my age, looking at whatever I'm looking at, it's looking only, which is fine. My wife doesn't mind at all, by the way, when she's with me. But it's obvious that my mother's expression is apt, which is uh, my stepfather, she used to, when she was going out, she said, I'm going to the store. Do you want anything? And my stepfather said, yeah, bring me back an 18-year-old blonde. <laughs> and um, the, my first comment is it would have been funny if someday she would have brought home an 18-year-old blonde boy. Boy, yeah. Because he meant blonde, blonde, he meant a woman. And second of all, my mother's sister said, yeah, well, that's that's really funny because you guys, you know, chasing women is like a dog chasing a car. If it ever stopped, you wouldn't know what to do with it, which I thought was also quite apt. But anyway, I'll ask each of you, if I say that I'm, really, if I thought about it, I guess I'm about 25 in my head. Um, just in general, in your general thoughts about, toys and women and stuff like that and uh andy what age would you give yourself mentally and i mean seriously if you feel that you're 50 in your mind i certainly don't feel like i'm in the middle of my 50s um the the age i always wanted to stop at was 19 i liked 19 in particular i don't know why but that particular year was was good. I really remember that as being a, a really good year. And I suppose over the years, gradually, I have been hauled bit beyond that. But I wouldn't say more than about 25. And that, that's pretty much my out, outlook on life, I think. It, it's, it's quite open. I'm still quite adaptable. I, I'd like to think I have an open mind. Um, my kids would tell you otherwise, I'm sure. But uh, I like to think I still have an open mind, and I think I behave in that in, in that manner. And I'm probably enough of an idiot and enough of a boy um, to qualify for around the 25 mark. So that's where I'm choosing. Jim, I uh, most days uh, I would put myself at, at mid 20s. Not that long ago, to be honest, I probably would have said a little bit younger. But I don't know if it was after turning 50 uh, two years ago that I, that number moved up a little bit. I don't know if it's that I felt a, a little bit more sense of responsibility in, in the way I thought about things or the way I was experiencing things. But probably in my late 40s, I still kind of felt quite often in that 18 to 22 range. And perhaps I realized once I got my AARP card that, uh, <laughs> that that's probably a little bit irresponsible. That You need to bump it up a little bit. But I would say that mentally, I forget quite often – that I'm as old as I am. I really do because I don't know if it's the little boy part of me, but I really forget quite often. And all of a sudden it'll dawn on me. Oh my God, you, you know, you're 52. But in my head, I'd probably yeah, about the same as you guys. Probably it's interesting that we all kind of around the same, I'd say 25, 27. And I think back to what I was when I was 25 or 27. And I was so unevolved as compared to now. Uh, well, of course, I mean, that's, you know, life experiences shape and mold you. Although I got to say that I have friends of mine who are my age and they not only feel that age like we do, but they still act that age. And, and are I they all male? Yes. Yeah. And, I, and I think that that's the danger. I think it's one thing if you're sitting there in your head and how you look at things and how, how you 
feel um, to say, okay, I feel like I'm still in my mid twenties. I think it's a far different thing though, to actually act like you're still in your mid twenties. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in my mid twenties, I was not, I wouldn't say self-destructive, but you know, I did a lot of shit that I shouldn't have been doing, you know, as far as drinking and drugs and, you know, things like that, that, you know, I finally, you know, wisened up on and, uh, that I don't want to be back in that whole realm again. Well, this is, first of all, all of this is contingent on having relatively good health because obviously if we were in wheelchairs uh, as a result of age, uh, because that you actually could still feel 25 in a wheelchair if you were used to it. But if, if because of aging, you have anything that's, you know, you know what, I'm going to stop that line because actually you could still be in a wheelchair and still feel cool. So that's, that's forget that. It, it, you would have to be like you know in bed all the time. It would be very hard to think about being twenty five if you're if you're completely stuck. But the other thing is, um, and this is the part that's important. When I say I feel like I'm twenty five or eighteen at various times, I'm not talking about um, judge making judgments that are going to affect my life. I'm just talking about the stupid internal monologue that goes on when you see a young woman on the street, or a car for some people. I'm not into cars myself. Uh, And if nothing else, the perfect example of this is the way people act at sports. I mean, uh, Andy, I don't know if you... Do you ever go or take the guy, take the kids to see sports matches, uh, football or anything? uh, This year, I haven't had one for a few years, but for this year I have a season ticket for my my local uh, soccer club. And uh, so, yes, I, sh- I will go along. And some of the behavior there from people around that age, I would not ascribe to. So maybe maybe I am looking at it in almost, um, I don't know, with wishful thinking as to how it might be if, if, I, if I were 25. I find that as well with uh, the way people behave in certain bars. Yeah, uh, so after I, drinks. I, yeah, after a, f- a few drinks, the, the way that they handle their drinks and what they become after they've had a few drinks is is not um, a position I'd like to be in, or even again I wouldn't ascribe to. Yet they are of the age that we're talking about here, so maybe we we have uh, memories of, of, of around these age, ages that uh, are not really real. They're they're what we wanted to, uh, the memories to be, and, and we look back fondly on it when, in fact. We're fine as we are. Well, I think it's partly throwing off the mantle of uh, having grown up because, you know, after all, you presumably are having to make enough money to survive and um, you have to, let's face it, in most cases you have to dress a certain way and look a certain way and appear to be, be as in existence, to be or not to be, a certain way. And you have to express yourself a certain way and... I don't think any of the three of us try to go out and talk hip or anything. So it's it's not that. It's you are a man. You you know all of us are over fifty, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, very I much. am very much. He says. I think I'm barely. He's close. Yeah, Jim is close. But the point is that that's that's a half a century, and very important to this kind of th- um, thinking is. You look what's happened in half a century, and if you're, let's say you're 50, and let's say somebody's listening to this who's 50, if you look back to when you were, say, uh, 15 years old, when I, this is just a basic guess, but things like, you know, not everybody had a color TV. There were probably two or three channels, no matter what, what country you lived in. In fact, some countries, they probably didn't have TV. Uh, that's... When, when I was 15, I mean, we it was a really exciting thing to see color TV. And it was about as big as uh, Nexus 7, by the way, the screen, literally, or, t- or 10. Uh, so, I mean, think point being, think of all the stuff that we've seen, and not just evolution, by the way. Not just, I mean, not just technical evolution, but evolution, social evolution. There's at least a superficial effort uh, to, for equal rights and things like that. Um, there's there's a whole lot of changes that have come by. We've seen all these changes. But my initial uh, essay on this on Google+, Plus, the little message that I sent, said that I've known, all the women I've known, I've never known a woman to be as frivolous 
in the sense that we are in our minds. I mean, women don't think of themselves as 18, I don't think. It's pretty rare that a woman would say, oh, but I'm 18 in my brain. I mean, yeah, they think young. They, uh, you know, are open. I'm, I'm not stating this quite as well as I did in my, uh, when I wrote it. But, but the point is women are different. And I think this is a big difference between men and women is that women do grow up. They grow up. They have fun. They're open. They're intelligent. And, and they do all the fun and good stuff. But, but they do grow up. Whereas what happens with us is we see something on Kickstarter. No offense, Jim. Uh, you know, that's going to give us an advantage or we're going to run and get the latest operating. I don't know very many women, even the programmer women, who run to get the latest OS and stuff like that. Uh, it, so there's this lizard brain thing, cars. How many women are into cars? Some, I know, but got to be not the majority, right? We have a woman among us. Are you ready, Cindy? Mm-hmm. I think so. So uh, the, the, one of the last things that anybody said at this lunch where we were talking about this, men are always 18 and so on, and they never grow up. Uh, and, of course, we had women there, and uh, one of the wives said, um, that's right. I mean, you guys, ne- not only do you never grow up, but we have to grow up, sort of the implication being that they were being our mothers. And I don't mean that in any you know, stupid way, but there is that in a way. Um, but I want you to weigh in on what you think about Jim's proclivity for toys and his. <laughs> is he how old is he in his How old is he in his head? Do you think? Oh, young. <laughs> Probably, I don't know, mid late twenties. There you go. That's what he Did said. Sure. How do you do? You know any women, Cindy, who are? I know you well enough to know that you're you've grown up. <laughs> Do you know any, do you know any women who are immature in the in the way that men can be? Wow. Um You don't have to name them. I mean just, <laughs> just say yes or no. <laughs> yeah, I think I think women have just as much honestly um proclivity to being immature as men do. I think maybe they just express it differently and it comes out differently. You see it differently. It might not be um, so much a collection of toys or what have you, but I think it can show up in um, other areas, maybe more clothes oriented, clothes, style, perhaps. design, deco. Yeah. Or is it more emotional? <laughs> is it more of emotional than for men? See, I think it might be the same in both sexes, but I think the expression of it is unique. I don't think it's necessarily emotional for women and not emotional for men. I think for men, it is emotional. It's just how men express their emotion. It's just a different expression of a similar thing. And I also don't necessarily know if it is immaturity. I don't think exploring your world or being having interest is necessarily a sign of immaturity either. Well, the the word immature, my word is is not a good word. I agree. It's not it's not co- completely appropriate because that seems like irresponsible as well, and so on. And I, I don't mean it in that way. What I, the way I mean it is that you would think that when people grow up, grow up, you know, uh, over fifty, say, that they wouldn't worry about these things like getting the latest this or doing that and. Yeah, I mean, women are conscious of other things. They're, they're different, let's face it, and, and that's, I think that's a good thing. I like that. I find, since we're on that topic, I really do find that women are usually more empathetic. They usually are able to, you know, Jim talks about emotion. We all have emotions, and men's emotions, and you just said it, and I think that's brilliant. Men's emotions express themselves in, in a way different way. So, and you could say right away, for example, it might be, um, you know, punching somebody or there's just, these emotions are different in the two sexes. They really are. Mm. Um, But the thoughts that motivate a man to be interested, they always say lizards, the lizard brain. uh, So he wants a Ferrari. I mean, you could give me a Ferrari tomorrow and all I'd, all I'd want to know is how much can I sell it for? I, (laughs) of course, I'm not interested in cars at all. Uh, but most things, you know, men can get attached to things. And I've known a lot of men who are totally normal and intelligent men who are not uh, immature in that way. And yet they'll get really attached and really want this particular car. I want that car. Well, I guess just because I've never been in love with cars, it's possible that maybe it's not fair for me to judge them either. 
And you may have a similar feeling towards another item. <laughs> yeah, like microphones. No. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, and no, there's no question. And I have wasted money on things that you could consider toys, whether they're whether they are or not. Yeah. I mean, we all have that. But I'm interested. It's true. It's interesting to to think about how women put themselves in that younger space. So, you know, the way we do it, and I'm being 100% frank here, I've already said this before you came in, a lot of men will admit to looking at women, younger women, other women, and so on, and to repress, as long as you don't act on it, right? If you de- to repress that is not, is not a healthy thing. Uh, by repress, I mean being scared that your wife will be jealous or that you have peer pressure. So when men get together, and, and these two guys can probably, probably, well, maybe not because you're here, Cindy, so you may, you may not <laughs> yeah. want to say. But I mean, in general, men don't say demeaning stuff about women. I know that this is a tough subject to talk about because it's easy to be attacked for having some kind of weird judgment. All I am saying is that if there were three men sitting in a space someplace and a very nice looking woman goes by and we're all married and over 50. This woman is 22 years old. I find it hard to believe that a man wouldn't be looking and then if we compare notes, we go, nice. You know what I mean? And I can't, I guess women might do that in the opposite situation, but it just seems like it would go down differently and maybe would be, they would be so reserved they might not even want to do it with their peers. They might be thinking, oh, yeah, not bad. I don't know. What do you think I, about that? I think there's some women who would be reserved, but honestly, I see it on a fairly regular basis, even, even in the workplace, um, working with a lot of women. Mm-hmm. You know, if a, um, a good-looking man comes in, here, there, for uh, whether a client or it's someone outside of that, there's no, there's certainly no, and honestly, the banter is not that dissimilar <laughs> to what That's I've funny. heard with men having a lot of male friends growing up. Um, it's really not that different. It and, really isn't. <laughs> and yet, you wouldn't whistle if there were three ladies working on something. It's not like, whoa, dude, <laughs> right? Well, I know, but Some then, women, yes. <laughs> but really, I've never, I, I must be the exception in the guy thing because. I've never been like that. I've never been comfortable uh, among my male friends having those discussions. Not really. I've I've never been comfortable with um, keeping so- score, so to speak, on, on women. That doesn't mean I've never said to a friend, wow, she's really pretty or something like that. But I've never been comfortable having those conversations. I have friends who routinely have those conversations, but I myself I must be the exception to the rule because it's never, I, I, I guess I'm just strange that way because it's even like taking it into a different realm. Um, strip clubs, I've never liked strip clubs. I love strip clubs. I've never been in one. A lot of my friends have loved them. I guess, I don't know, it's not so much objectifying because I don't see it as, if I notice a very pretty girl on the street, I don't consider it objectifying her by noting in my head, while wow, she's really attractive. But I don't know if it's because I'm more of a private person in certain areas, other areas I'm very open. But I've just, I've never been comfortable having that conversation with my friends. Well, you, what, you're, what you're talking about, though, is the inventory conversation, which, which I yeah. never would do with anybody, um, including, you know, my wife and I have these talks. And by the way, this works for men, too. If we see somebody on TV and she goes, oh, man. <laughs> and I go, yeah, not that is. He's nice looking. I could give you examples, but I'm not going to do it here. You guys do that? Oh, my God, he's beautiful. No, but the point is we can share that, and, and that's actually a totally positive thing. But I would but never get into... I would never get into the look at the hmm on that one. That's absolutely, and that's what you're talking about, I think. Well, that's very Inventory. disrespectful then as far yeah. as, it's disrespectful towards that person, that woman. Yeah. It's also disrespectful within your own relationship. I I feel even if your partner, spouse, whoever isn't there, I think that if you're taking it to that realm, you're by proxy disrespecting the person you're with. And I suppose that's one of the reasons also I don't like having those conversations with friends. It's one of the reasons I don't like strip clubs and things like that, because I just feel that by proxy, it's, it's disrespecting and devaluing my wife. And, and, you know, they call me old fashioned that way, but you know, that's just how I see it. Oh, I think we're gentlemen. We're gentlemen. 
but I think that there is a <laughs> radically di- what? We're gentlemen, I said. Yeah, All three well, of us. I wouldn't go that far. Oh. I'm not a gentleman. But. <laughs> I th- Andy, have you ever? Uh, I know that you travel on business sometimes with mates, and I know that they're not all the most evolved. Uh, do you? Uh, you ever, do, have you guys ever ended up some of these? When we go to some of these tech conventions, and it isn't necessarily Andy's friends, but Andy knows these people. No, give I, I definitely. There are people who are coming. Am I thinking of the guys from Eastern Europe for one thing? But there's just these guys will go out all night and rabble rouse, and they, I'm sure they've gone to strip clubs. Uh, have you? I've never actually been to one. The closest I've come is watching The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to a strip club e- either, but uh, one of the things that I have done, um, I went over to, to Amsterdam with a, a friend of mine, um, a guy who was, uh, how shall we say, his his relationship at the time with, with, with his wife was a little austere. Mm. Um, so you know, it was it was like uh, if if he uh, he felt like uh, getting together, he would have to book it two months in advance. And, and so... <laughs> um, so and this guy was really frustrated. Um, so he went over there and he wanted to see the red light district. And when I say see the red light district, he wanted to look at every girl he could see anywhere. <laughs> he, he didn't want to go into any of them. Mm. He felt completely uncomfortable with the idea of any, any form of uh, even talking to anybody. But he insisted on going down every alleyway, stopping at every window, looking at every girl. And so that sort of experience, yes, I have had, um, mainly with people who are frustrated and they, they know it's wrong and it's not really them. It's, it, I feel much the same. I mean, I, I feel, find myself, if I walk into the local shopping centre around here, there are a lot of very attractive young ladies around. And you find yourself uh, looking at this and saying, she's nice, she's nice, and so on. But <laughs> an awful lot of the time, then I'll hear one of them speak. <laughs> and then the, the situation will change in my head. <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing, but I, I, ne- I never know whether that is just a, a man thing. I, I, I think it's, it's probably on both sides. So also, I, there are things like uh, I've known uh, people who've worked on uh, production lines which are mainly staffed by women and oh. some of the sexism that comes out there is is something else you know and you, you don't hear of that side of it it's it's the sexist argument is is almost purely men to women not the other way around and the other way is just accepted as a bit of banter so i i don't know um I'm, I'm with I'm with you, really, Randy. With with, with this, I I, uh, I do have the odd conversation. I doubt it's it's ever more than two people, though. N- not in a group. I would not have such a conversation in a group, but I might have it with one, maybe two other people. Now, one of the things earlier you were talking about, Randy, and we were, actually the three of us were talking before Cindy came in here, is, is how we feel at our ages now, and we all basically pegged ourselves around 25 or so. Uh, that seems to always be completely acceptable for men and almost expected, really. I mean, it's almost expected that, you know, men are going to be boys always. But it does. I, I feel like a lot of times women aren't afforded that same luxury uh, that if, if a woman dresses younger than she is, if she wears makeup younger than she is, if she wears, you know, you know if she... Uh, just puts on airs as far as being younger than what she is. There's something wrong with her. There's I, something wrong with her. I can wear a t-shirt, a tie-dye t-shirt and cargo shorts and sandals, and nobody's going to think anything different of me. But a lot of times if a woman, and I was guilty of the exact same thing a couple last of weeks weekend. last weekend. <laughs> oh, a woman who was probably what, early forties, maybe about your age. Mm, it's hard to tell. I'm I don't know. Ages, she, late, she was, late 40s. And she was wearing late 40s. But I mean, she was wearing a, a, a top that had across the back uh, and like in glittery and it had the something and then pink on it, written on it. And it was something that I normally see teenage girls mm-hmm. wearing. And it, I don't wasn't so much. It was a, be, a judgment that I made it on my part, which was wrong. I don't know this woman from Adam. She could be a very lovely and very upstanding woman. And I made a... A fairly derogatory comment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not to her. Fun. Not to the woman. No. 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 Oh, no. No. In your head or to your wife? Yeah. To Cindy. 
and um, and it was wrong, you know. And I was thinking, you know, she instantly let me know that I was wrong for saying to her. I didn't say it loud enough for anybody else to hear, but it was a judgment on my part. And and really, I actually I haven't even talked to Cindy about this, but I thought about it more later on. And it's like, wow, I was being really judgy on that. It's like just because she's a woman, she's not entitled to dress younger or to, or whatever. And and I do think that it speaks heavily to we as societies really do. And as men, we want our women to be this way. We want our women to be that way. And if they're kind of like out of that mode. And I actually wanted to get Cindy's input on this one because it really, I'm, I was thankful that she said that to me because at the time I wasn't, I'll be honest with you, at the time I fought her tooth and nails on it. Um, but later on, I thought about it and it's like, wow, she's right. I was being really judgy on that. But women are not afforded the same luxury that way that we are. The, the proof of what, the, what confirms what you just said, actually, is that if you think about the scenario where, say, a guy is uh, 55 and he leaves his wife for the secretary that's like 30 or the student or you know whatever that if you when you turn that around it's always more shocking not necessarily to me but to society so that does kind of confirm that women don't get the same break and why is that because the woman is <laughs> actually it's because the woman is supposed to be more mature and do not do crazy shit like that but you know in a more real sense there's no reason also i remember when um the very first time it was revealed that the high school teacher had sex with the boy, the woman, you know, was having... Because everybody thinks, well, it's normal that the guy wants to get into the younger... But suddenly it's the woman doing it, and it was, it was a thousand times more shocking. I'm not sure why that is, but part of it has to be the way society thinks of the two sexes. And that kind of confirms what you just said. Now, how do you send, uh as far as... Do you ever feel like you can't, that you have to be mindful of how you act or how you dress or whatever so that you're not considered age inappropriate? Um, not really how I act because I, I don't know, because I don't think about how I'm acting in relation to my age. But I know I have jokingly with women of my age um, said, you know, while I was getting ready to walk out the door and looked at what I was wearing or how I appeared and had that quick moment of, Oh, wow. Am I, am I, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I, am I dressing or whatever um, in a way that is not appropriate, but then I come back to myself with the same question. Well, what does that mean? It's kind of saying, well, what is acting 40? What is acting 40? I, I don't really know, but I do feel that there is, you know, and you made a perfect example of it last weekend. You know, the woman was very fit. She was obviously taking care of herself. Yep. She was trying to age gracefully. Yes. Um, but there was that snap, oh, you know, you're trying too hard because, you know, we all know you're past your prime now. As a woman, you hit a certain age and it shows up in television and actresses I know fight with this. Um, you know, you hit a certain age. And you're you're done where men, you know, they just become more sophisticated and um, as they gray and age. Um, but women are certainly not afforded it. I don't if it's I don't know if it's evolutionary. I don't know if it's cultural. Um, but you guys were watching Growing Up Fisher, I think. Right. Did you watch that, Cindy? Briefly. I think I watched maybe three episodes. OK, well, the Dharma, the Dharma, I call her Dharma, uh, Jen Elfman character, the wife, the blonde wife. Right. Yep. She was always trying. To. She yeah. was always I mean, that was a really super exaggerated case because I don't think anybody actually would act like that. But she was like constantly, you know, going to be bed buddies with her daughter and and uh, trying to dress. And by the way, that would have been equally stupid, whether it was male or female. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, I think also that speaks less to gender. Yeah. At the root and more to are you comfortable in your own skin? Are you are you comfortable where you are as a person rather than because men do that, too? You know, isn't that part of the whole, you know, fancy car at 40 and stuff like that? It's less. Yeah, 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 I, I agree. Okay as a man, but really, am I OK as a person? Well, and then you then you get you touch on the um, the overweight thing, which is exactly the same thing. You can't yeah. look at somebody. 
it's pretty hard not to judge, and yet none of us should judge no matter what shape we're in. In other words, the healthiest thing for anybody to do, whether it's about sexuality or whether it's about weight or whether whatever it's about, blue eyes, brown eyes. I mean, it's just you are what you are, and if you're comfortable with it, fine. And if you want to put on contacts that change the color of your eyes, I wouldn't call you crazy. I mean, that's just, in fact, I've thought of that a couple of times. I'm curious what it would be like. Unfortunately, I can't wear contacts. Uh, but I mean, that's that's a good point maybe to finish on, which is that really um, you're only as young as you're only as old as you feel. So it is maybe great that we all think of ourselves as 25, and it, it means that we are gifted with decent health too, you know, which is great. And that you do have to do you continue to do what you do the stuff that makes you feel good that doesn't hurt or is not detrimental in any way to somebody else. I mean, Hey, doesn't get any better. Right. Well, that's why, that's why when she said to me last weekend, it gave me, she was right to call you out, Jambo. She was, she was, she was absolutely, you know what? It was wrong on my part. It was absolutely 100% wrong on my part. Guilty. Lesson. It was, it's really cool at 52 to still be taught lessons, Yeah. you know, because it was a lesson. And I, I thought about it later and it's like, there was nothing wrong with what she was wearing. And, and and it's funny because quick, quick story about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, one day I was at work and I was leaving uh, to go uh, away for a weekend. And so I brought a change of clothes with me. Normally I wear a suit and tie every day to work and I brought changed and I'm in a tie dye t-shirt, shorts, sandals and, and getting ready to leave because I was working a half day to leave to go away. And one of my coworkers at the time um, said, Wow, she looks me up and down. She says, "Wow, my kids wear that stuff," <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> there was nothing complimentary about the way That's she. Embarrassing. Nothing. Oh, it's like, and this said this. This is probably closer to ten years ago. So I was probably like forty-three or something like that at the time. I would certainly wasn't, you know, that old. But oh, it was just ouch. <laughs> it was just like it was an instant, you know, snap judgment thrown my way you know, with a very cutting comment. And I should have actually, I should have taken that. And when I made the comment last week to my wife, you know, I should have been more thoughtful about it all. And, you know, I'm not going to promise I'll never make that kind of comment again. But, yeah, but what's know. good is she'll call you out on it again. Oh, <laughs> I'm she confident. She's a wonderful girl, but oh, oh I call her. 